0: Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Stetson. And I'm Gabe. In this episode, we are talking about the gig economy. California just passed their AB5 bill, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, some freelance work we've done as both drone pilots, um, and actually, I don't I don't think I've driven for Uber or Lyft. Have, have you driven for Uber or Lyft? I've ridden for Uber and Lyft. They pay me to ride, actually. <laughs> Our riding experiences... Um, and
1: of course, some topics in quick news. Yeah, quick news is always good, uh, but before we get there, why don't we just take a second to sit back and relax and be silent for five minutes, right? That's what people listen to podcasts for, not yeah, talking.
0: I'm going to be honest with you, That's that seems like a rather unusual take. Um,
1: is this like a new segment you want to introduce, like a meditation segment? Yeah, meditation uh, segment. You know, people are on their phones too much, so just throw your phone out the window and no, actually... Let's get into quick news. Quick news quick news, quick news. quick news, quick news. Quick news, quick news. I like to sneak it up on people so they don't expect it. All right, first off in quick news, we have something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh no, it's not the a 7s III. a 7s III watch is still going on. It is a bit of an appetizer for me, you know, <laughs> hoping tide me over until that's released. It is some GoPro 8 and GoPro 360 Max leaks. Yeah, Gabe. So so what do we have here? And first
0: of all, what's I'm not I'm not huge into GoPro. What's the difference between the GoPro 8 and the GoPro 360 Max? And also, why does everything need to add the word Max into the name?
1: <laughs> like, What is going yeah. on with that? It, just keep adding more names, letters, numbers, you know, if they can keep it under, I think, what, 100 characters, that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, the so these new cameras are GoPro's next generation of action camera. Uh, That's the GoPro 8 and the GoPro 360 Max is their 360 camera that will replace the GoPro Fusion.
0: Okay, those sound like great cameras. So we got an action camera and we've got a replacement for the Fusion. So is
1: this, this is going to shoot 360 video then? Yeah, basically 360 video on the 360 camera, probably around uh, 5.7K or greater because that's what the current Fusion shoots at. Hopefully, you know, 6K would be amazing. Uh, And then... The GoPro 8 will be probably 4K 60 still. Unlikely that you'll get 6K in that. Maybe you'll get 4K uh, you know, 90, 4K 120, highly doubt that still. It looks like the big updates we're gonna get with the GoPro 8 is a new design kind of for the camera where if you know anything about the current GoPro, basically uh, you, know, you have the GoPro camera itself and then you have to put in this frame mount that kind of snaps around it and that's how you mount it to any accessories. It looks like this new GoPro will have the ability that the actual mounting thing is a bit of like a fold-out from the bottom of the camera itself uh, which will kind of be able to shrink the profile of the camera when you're using it mounted to stuff. And then they also are including an accessory port or like little attachment area where you will be able to attach lights, uh, a microphone, you know, different things like that. Um, Even a flip-up screen for doing, you know, like selfie shots. And so it looks like they're, yeah, they're they're kind of switching up what they're focusing on with this generation from specs to actually more focusing on like attachments and the camera itself.
0: That's really interesting to hear because, you know, I was going to ask you, we just had the Osmo
1: Action come out, Action Camera from DJI. Absolute trash, by the way. <laughs> and it has that... Not, not really, not, a, not absolute trash, but it got overhyped a lot. The GoPro has 7 still the It has front-facing screen, one.
0: though, so I was wondering if GoPro would kind of follow up with that. And it sounds like with their accessory... Um, kit that they're going to come out with, they are indeed addressing that uh, kind of desire for consumers to be able to see themselves while recording.
1: Yeah, I think that's most likely how they're going to address it rather than actually, you know, directly copying the Osmo action and putting a screen on the front of the camera. You know, you get a bigger screen with the flip up screen, uh, possibly some touchscreen, you know, ability as well. But, you know, yeah, it's 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 a nice uh, option and, and a good contrast to show that they're Innovating on their own without uh, copying DJI and that's how it should be because GoPro really still the best action camera you can get Uh, you know I've been buying their cameras reviewing them and using them since the GoPro 3 plus and the GoPro 7 Probably the best and like most well-rounded action camera to date. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the GoPro 8 Uh, And that will probably be coming out around October most likely like first week in October possibly last week in September That's traditionally when they do it, and usually it's available uh, for pre-order, usually when they announce it, or if not, uh, it's available pre-order like a week later or so. Sounds great, something to keep our eyes on. Uh, Speaking of
0: DJI, though, I I see we actually had some price jumps with the Mavic Pro 2, the Mavic Air, and the Osmo Action and Pocket. Gabe, what was going on with that? Why did we see DJI increasing their prices on their drones?
1: I mean, honestly, it could just be because they are the only one that you can really buy a good drone from and the, like own 73% of the market share, 80% of the market share. I don't know. Something ridiculous. However, this wasn't the case. It's actually because of the tariffs uh, that have come in place because of Trump in the U.S., you know, in this ongoing trade war between the U.S. and China. So this is really only in the United States, uh, but it's kind of, you know, I don't care what your politics background is, but if you're a drone flyer, um, yeah, this is not a good thing because... You saw the Mavic 2 Pro go up from I think I bought it a year ago now and it was fourteen fifty I think or maybe fifteen hundred around there right like fourteen ninety nine, now it's going to cost you uh, seventeen hundred and something dollars seventeen hundred I think thirty nine dollars or something like that yeah like up by fifteen percent in price same thing with the Mavic Air it went from seven ninety nine to nine hundred nineteen dollars like huge price jumps the Osmo Action uh, went from three fifty to 379 and the osmo pocket 400 is it no the osmo action they kept at 379 so it's slightly cheaper than the gopro 7 at (laughs) nice well and then the upcoming gopro 8 at 400 and then the osmo pocket went from uh 350 to 400 however it's on sale right now through dji uh for 319 still those numbers hurt gabe those numbers hurt yes uh but if you are thinking of getting them though just a note Go through B&H, Best Buy, Target, Walmart—you know, some third-party retailer. They uh, were in communication with DJI, and so they, you know, DJI was telling them, "Hey, you know, order a bunch now, build up a stock at the cheaper price." Uh, so they're obviously selling off that stock now at that same normal pricing that it was before, and so hopefully that will last a good while into October, and then maybe we'll see the tariffs be taken away. Hopefully, but I honestly wouldn't hold out for that. So we may actually see, it may be a little bit before we see the tariffs fully hitting some stores,
0: but otherwise, like, these prices are shooting up. That's that's so that's so disappointing. I was actually looking into getting a Mavic Air because uh, it records in a higher bit rate than the Mavic Pro I currently have. Um, so that's disappointing. Of course, the use market, um, I'm big into looking to that, and that could be a place to but, explore. But the thing well. is, though,
1: honestly, I was thinking for people who are looking to sell a Mavic Air or uh oh i guess a mavic air really not many people want to sell a mavic 2 pro but if you're looking to sell a mavic air and upgrade to the pro 2 pro this is a great time to do it because your uh value just went up if you bought it for you know 800 bucks uh now you can sell it for uh 900 you know not probably not that much but like that's how much the new one is 919 so you could sell it for a little bit more than what you could get uh, a couple di- a couple weeks ago sure uh all right. Up next in quick
0: news, we have uh, this device. It's been leak. Gabe, how how would you
1: describe this? Google leak? is like- a leaky ship, is what I would just say. That's it's it's a leaky pipe. You know, their basement is filled up with water, and they just can't. It's like their uh, you know, like security internal team is just built of like a strainer that you strain a spaghetti in. And <laughs> it, they have all the Pixel fours are leaking out. Uh, They're and just yeah. slipping
0: through. They're gushing.
1: They actually, I mean, it got so bad, they literally just tweeted a picture of the phone with the name of it. Like, they're like, all right, we're just, screw it. We're basically just going to launch it, but we're not actually going to launch it because it's not really ready. But yeah. It's it's kind of like they wanted to turn the basement of the Googleplex
0: just into a swimming pool. Like, the leaks have been pouring yeah. out. Uh, so we basically know all the specs of the Pixel 4 already. Um, and I'll go through a couple of them here. We are looking at a 5.7-inch AMOLED display, Snapdragon 855 octa-core chip. What's really interesting, this is gonna have a 90 hertz smooth display. I know a lot of people have really enjoyed the higher refresh display on the OnePlus 7 Pro. It'll be amazing to see that with the new Pixel 4 um, and 64 gigs and 128 gigs of internal storage. And Gabe, what's the big thing here with the cameras, like what is Google bringing to the table? We just had Apple announce new cameras with their phones. Like, how do you think Pixel 4 is going to stack up?
1: Pixel 4 is actually not going to have any camera sets in.
0: That's pretty Ooh, surprising. that's right? a plot twist, Gabe. I no, was no, they're
1: they're not, <laughs> not going to do that. Unfortunately, oh, that would be really. Imagine that camera without any. I mean, a, I almost said a, a camera, a smartphone without any cameras. Like a camera that, without any smartphone. But but traditionally, Pixel has been uh you know, a phone that hasn't embraced the dual cameras or, you know, the three cameras or four cameras even now, the Pixel 3 uh, has only one camera on it. And Google has been able to do a lot of that, uh, you know, the good quality photography with all their software, though.
0: So It's true. They're they're using a lot of machine learning, a lot of post-processing to achieve things like portrait mode with just one lens. Um, And to be honest, Pixel line of phones has taken some of the best images, Uh, for the past three years since they came out. Um, And with Pixel 4, we're looking at, uh, as Gabe hinted, the first dual camera setup in a Pixel device. We're looking at a 12.3 megapixel main wide angle lens on the back, complemented with a 16 megapixel telephoto lens. And for the first time, dual eight megapixel front facing cameras for uh, face unlock. And a new feature that I think it actually blow Apple's new night mode out of the water. This is astrophotography mode. And I think, Gabe, you mentioned this in the previous episode. Basically, Apple was like, all right, we can now take pictures in dimly lit environments. And Google was like, okay, you can now use your phone to take pictures of the freaking galaxy.
1: That, yeah, that is basically... I think that Google is leaking a lot of stuff on purpose, Uh, you know, because this leaked right before... Uh, Apple's event basically like that weekend before Apple launched the iPhone uh, 11 and 11 pro and there you know so it kind of shadowed over the whole event that oh yeah you know Apple now has this night mode but Google is coming out with something that allows you to take pictures of stars which is very hard to do because I mean ba- the basic gist of it is oftentimes when you're taking pictures of stars the stars itself are really not more than a pixel or maybe two pixels width. And so, traditional noise reduction does a horrible job of, uh, you know, like a lot of times it will recognize stars as noise because it's a pixel that's an uh, abnormal color in an otherwise like black sky, right? You have an all black or you know blue dark blue sky, and then there's a you know bright white or slightly orange pixel, and they're like, oh, that's that's some weird noise. Let's get rid of that and turn that black or whatever. And so, getting some good noise reduction, which is essential on a smartphone at night is very hard uh, to do with star uh, star photography and astrophotography. So this would be really uh, quite a feat for Google to pull off and you know execute well. I think people are gonna be really excited about this feature. I'm really looking forward to
0: seeing how it compares. I think there's huge potential for Google to just blow the competition out of the water with this. I've seen some early photos online of people getting their hands on the APK for the camera and using it with their current phones. And you know, I think, honestly, besides just pulling the stars into the photos, having that insane noise reduction is really going to help your images look sharper, cleaner in those dimmer
1: environments. So that'll be great to see. And I mean, I was talking about comparing it to the Apple, uh, you know, the new iPhones. Why don't we just take a moment to talk? It's not really quick news related, but what are our, you know, our reactions, our thoughts after, you know, now we're a week away or so from the release event of the iPhone 11, iPhone 11 pro. What are some thoughts that you've been having or I've been having on those devices now that there's not as much like hype and stuff surrounding it. And we've kind of, it's, you know, we're, we're now thinking sanely and we're not just fueled and like coked up on the Apple event.
0: And the marketing material they put out, oh, which yeah. is, which is always incredible. Um, so first did
1: you order, did you order the new phones? I did not order the new phone. Uh, my dad ordered the new phone. He's upgrading from, uh, iPhone 10, uh, I, my sister I think will probably get the new phone as well, but she might go for the 11 rather than the 11 Pro. Uh, and then I have a couple other friends who I know are upgrading, but what about you, Setson? So I, I'm i a little bit on the fence. I ordered the iPhone 11
0: and the iPhone 11 Pro. I wanna do unboxing videos for my YouTube channel. I wanna create some content around that. And of course, they're gonna be huge buzzwords. People are gonna be searching for them, so wanna capitalize on that. This might be the first year I don't actually upgrade to these new devices though. Because in my opinion, it's it's more of a side grade. Like you're sacrificing- A side grade? Are we gonna have to put that in the uh, Urban Dictionary now? Yeah, it's like, so from the iPhone XS to the iPhone 11 Pro, you're really only getting that ultra-wide camera you're getting a slightly better display. And that's kind of up for debate, like how much of an impact that has. Better
1: processor too.
0: The better processor, which is really only being used for the photos at this point. And battery life. And the battery life. So, But my phone easily lasts me through a day. um, And I think the camera's great. I told you I take more screenshots than actual photos. So these new features aren't really adding a whole
1: lot of value to my particular use case that's that's what i think general sentiment has been all around online and i know uh, a lot of people have been this has been heightened by the fact that next year what has been deemed or kind of like codenamed the 2020 iphone uh is really being you know there's a lot of anticipation for it and that supposedly will include a lot of things that we're seeing in other phones from you know samsung from uh one from asus even um and uh, maybe the Pixel 4 but we've yet to see from uh, the iPhone It didn't unfortunately see in this round of iPhones which is I mean I think the big ones right if you disagree with me if I'm wrong but I think it's the reverse or by wi- or, uh, wireless charging where you can charge through the phone or from the phone um, you would see uh, 5G hopefully you would see a higher refresh display and I guess is there anything else there? I think that those are the big U- features. USB C, USB oh, guess. Oh, that's as well, another one. USB C. Just, I mean,
0: along top of, alongside this, rather, we'll see improvements to the camera and the processor again. Something I have heard is oh, also the, getting rid of the notch too. That could be huge, right? Going with that full edge to edge display, we could see a resurgence of Touch ID underneath the display. I've I've heard Apple has patents for that. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about is. You know, with these with these older devices, um, I think the design is stale. So we're going to see possibly a new design refresh with these newer phones. Um, and yeah, I think overall, the upcoming twenty twenty iPhone has significantly more hype around it than the iPhone eleven that just came out. So I'm I'm actually like. Is it too early to start rumors for? I'm already excited for the for the
1: new no, phone. No, I mean I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure Forbes, uh, TechRadar, CNET and The Verge all have articles up about when is the iPhone 12 going to be released or what 2020 iPhone going to be released and what are what do we know about it yet? Like literally the day after the iPhone 11 came out. I I think that the iPhone 11 was a bigger one than the iPhone 11 Pro is what I think because of the price, the low price, uh you know, the colors the dual shooters on an entry-level phone were all huge uh, things that Apple included, and so I think that's the bigger phone and actually the biggest thing out of the release, because honestly, the Apple Watch 5 Series 5 was a pretty big letdown. The one thing I would note about the Apple Watch Series 5 is it might point towards um, Apple's next display, because they have that new uh, display on the Apple Watch, which can change refresh rate, right, I think? Correct variable refresh rate so i'm thinking we might next year see that brought to the iphone where it can because the problem with high refresh rate displays like 90 hertz is that it often decreases your battery life so if they bring that that uh type of display to the iphone you know it could be a 90 hertz 120 hertz refresh display when you need it like playing games or stuff like that or scrolling but then it can smartly adjust uh to when the phone's static that it's a lot lower and conserve battery I think it'd be interesting
0: to get some on-display notifications too when, like, you get a t- new text message just having one part of the screen light up. Or, or oh, yeah, something that would cool. be really awesome. Like, Samsung's been doing that. Uh, Android's just been doing that for a while. Um, yeah, you know, I think after the hype, after the buzz, I feel like these phones are a little bit of a letdown. They're, the, like, the biggest features were processor, camera, battery, and that's pretty much a given every year. And I feel like Apple just took the time to really dive into the new camera features because there wasn't a whole lot else for them to talk about.
1: That that really is, I mean, yeah, I mean, was it more of a camera than uh, a phone or? Yeah,
0: yeah, this is a camera. This And, you know, to your point with the iPhone 11, I think the wide angle lens adding that, that's huge. I really like having the wide angle and the Galaxy S10 here. Um, that's been really fun to use and play around with. So I, I do think it's gonna be an incredible phone for those who choose to buy it it's very weak upgrade from the iPhone 10R and iPhone 10S in my opinion not not as many features and and technological improvements as I was hoping for again really pointing to a more
1: exciting 2020 iPhone well and, and here's the other question i think have phones gotten to their like are they going to get any thinner cuz this was like i think one of the most one of the last years in memory that i can remember where the iPhone didn't get thinner and they didn't say oh and now it's only this thick you know, and it, or and we dro- shaved it down to this many millimeters. Like, are we reaching peak thinness or minimal? I don't know. Whatever thin, minimal thinness. <laughs> uh, I right, uh, Did it get
0: thicker? I think it actually has gotten. It might thicker. have.
1: It might have even gotten thicker. Like, it definitely didn't get thinner. But they obviously aren't going to say. And now it's thicker. Like, the, I think the iPhone 8 is thinner than the
0: iPhone 10s or that 10 shape. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I think we've basically reached a point where people care less about the the
1: thinness more about battery life and the features that that can that can add yeah battery life and like yeah if you can pack a in-screen in-screen fingerprint sensor or whatever into the phone sure so i think so, yeah that's pretty much it for our quick news segment quick news quick news quick news. <laughs> uh and before we get into the talking about uh the gig economy and some other stuff uh let's get to our not sponsored uh section that's a great. Well, we idea. talk about who we're not sponsored by, right? This is
0: correct. So we, we pick a product or a service, an item that uh, we enjoy using in our own lives. And of course, we have no sponsors yet on this podcast. So it's just us sharing cool information in a 30-second time limit. Gabe, you want to go first this time?
1: Yeah, let me go first. Uh, I think I got all my zero notes ready. So whenever we're good. On your mark, get set, begin. Uh, this episode of the podcast, I would like to say that we're not sponsored by not buying insurance through your carrier for your smartphone. Yes, this is a very tragic tale that I had to learn the hard way. I broke the back of the glass on my iPhone XS Max and went to go get a replacement for my insurance company. And, ooh, that's a $250 fee. And they ship me a replacement. True, it's overnight. But iPhone, uh, Apple Care, you get it for $99 repair. And yeah, that's just the moral of this story.
0: Yikes Gabe that's that's tough I'm I'm yeah. sorry to hear that buddy that's that's a hard yeah. one
1: yeah yeah uh Asurion uh don't don't go with them they're not they're not uh very sure well I don't know they're, they're great if you lose your phone right they sh- send you a replacement overnight for $250 that's awesome but for a repair like when you can get it from Apple repaired for $99 that's kind of like yikes uh why am I paying for this right right and, and Apple too actually they just announced I think it's apple care subscription well it's a subscription where you can go longer than three two years yeah basically. you can
0: go longer yeah. than two years it's a new subscription model um but the other thing is they added another tier where their coverage will actually support lost or stolen
1: devices yeah the, I, well i think that's been around for a year or two actually yeah the, i think it came out last year it's i think how much how much is that a month is that yeah i think think? the
0: regular apple care is like 9.99 a month and then if you want to upgrade to that loss or theft protection that's 14.99 per month
1: yeah that's for the iphone models they also do have it i'm pretty sure for ipads and uh macbooks but those are more expensive obviously because it's based off the overall cost of your device
0: i i actually don't think it's that uh that much more expensive um, for computer, actually, you know what? Well, I, I, think it's like, I know it's like three hundred. My, my right? MacBook
1: Pro, yeah, my MacBook Pro uh, was I think three hundred fifty-eight, fifty-nine dollars for the Apple Care. That's two years. That's expensive. I think yeah. I was reading for desktops. and and that's not that's not the loss or that's not the loss or theft. That's only um, damage. I think for
0: desktops the price can vary because it's a computer that just sits there so they're more willing to like it's less likely to break
1: yeah you're not you're not carrying that around in your uh you know your briefcase or bringing it to school or whatever so yeah anyways uh, we're we're getting a little sidetracked on our not sponsored segment because remember we're not getting paid for this so we're wasting valuable audio bits of information on you know talking about and giving these companies advertising so let's go let's go sorry, sorry all right i got my stopwatch out 30 seconds on the clock here we go
0: This episode of Pinch to Zoom is not sponsored by the new Logitech MX Master Series 3. Get your work done and stay creative and productive with their new mouse. It's got a 4,000 DPI sensor, works on all surfaces, including glass, and includes amazing gestures for enhanced productivity in your favorite applications like Adobe Photoshop, Final Cut Pro 10, or Adobe Premiere. Get the Logitech MX Master Series 3 today. It's only $99. It's got some cool features, great ergonomics, it's a fun mouse. All right, that sounded too much like an actual ad, Setson. I think you got to... I was trying. I don't know. I, I, don't I was know. listening to other ads and other podcasts, hearing how they phrase things,
1: wanted to spice it up. But Gabe... Well, you didn't... You got to... I mean, if you really wanted to nail it right, you have to put in a use story. That's what they usually ask for, like how you used it. So how did you use it, Setson? Well, I've been using it every day for the past week since I got it. And now the diss track comes in of me saying that, why would you use a mouse when you can use a trackpad. Like a trackpad, you can do better gestures. Uh, you can do, you know, pinch to zo- pinch to zoom. Oh, there we go. Ooh. Like our podcast. You can do swipe left to right. You know, getting the different desktops up down. You know, uh, launch whatever mode. Yeah, it's. I I'm a trackpad fan. I know you like mouses is better, but I'm a, I'm a cat guy. person oh. rather than a dog person. So
0: my mice yeah. will have to steer clear of you. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get into the the main topic for this episode. Yeah. Finally, right after our our
1: uh, quick news segment, after our after our extensively long quick quick news segment, and then uh, longer than uh, it should have been, I guess about a minute total for the not sponsored segment. Uh, so the gig economy. The gig economy. What is it, Stetson? What is the gig economy? The gig
0: economy is basically where we have people instead of being full time employees at companies. They're working as independent contractors taking on jobs um, and completing a variety of different tasks. So we see this in the like the driver transportation industry, where we have drivers working for Uber and Lyft. They're acting as independent contractors, chauffeuring people around. Um, we have this in the drone industry. Uh, I've done drone uh, drone projects. You've done drone projects. We basically have pilots that will do projects for drone base, drone Genuity or other drone companies act as an independent contractor, do that work and get paid. Um, and even in the creative space where we have websites like Fiverr or Instacart um, and other services allowing people to to basically, yeah, do odd jobs for hire. That's, that's basically like
1: what the gig economy is. It, it connects, you know, the person with the skill or with the means with the person with the needs, right? absolutely and so you also i mean like i was thinking doordash is another good one um uber uber eats they launched their own thing there and grubhub yeah there's there's a really and even i think airbnb would kind of be the gig economy a little bit yeah it's it's, yeah i mean because yeah i mean now these you have these people who are really launching what are essentially like inns or like you know bed and breakfasts i mean i've I've stayed in some airbnbs where they come with you know coffee Uh, they have like bagels in the fridge with you know cream cheese and you know like instant like it's it's like you're staying at a full hotel um but it's you know in this person's like little loft or in a house in their backyard uh and it's a really cheap price something i i saw too when i was doing research is that
0: the gig economy these freelancers it's actually starting to grow quite a lot so in 2017 uh there was a report that there were 102 million non-freelancers and there were only 57.3 million freelancers However, in just 10 years, by 2027, these are forecast to grow where the freelancers will outpace the non-freelancers, 86.5 million non-freelancers to 86.5 freelancers. I probably meant like 86.6. But that's like 2017, wow. 10 years. Like we're going to have 2027, more- 2027, you mean? Yeah, 2027, yeah. Yeah. we're going to have more freelancers than
1: actual full-time employees well that that's if uh, the country doesn't follow th- this new bill that was passed in uh, California right right yeah so I uh, gave do you want to talk about that like what what was passed? no kinda... I don't want to talk about that I just wanted okay. to mention it quickly no okay. the, the bill that was passed was assembly bill 5 uh, in California just recently passed won't go into effect until uh, January 2020 uh, 20, and also is going to be challenged uh, extensively in the courts but basically what it does say is that uber specifically almost targeting Uber and Lyft, but that these two ride-sharing companies have to pay their drivers and treat them as actual full-time employees. And the reason why is because, you know, an independent contractor is basically usually has to be, um, you know, described and defined as someone who's performing a job from outside of your your company um, that is not essential and not fundamental to your company's business model. Ooh, yeah, right. That's interesting. And so, when you think of drivers and Lyft, that's kind of that's one in the same. You can't say that they're performing really a service and a you know a job that isn't you know fundamental and core to uh, Uber or Lyft's business model, right?
0: I guess, but couldn't you say the same thing with all the other platforms out there, like Airbnb? Are
1: the hosts not performing a task that are are not essential to the well, business? Well, that's that's the, that's the problem that you get into here. I would say, however, that I think Airbnb is different because that's almost a bit more like eBay where you're kind of selling something, right, rather than a, rather than really a service or a job. Um, but definitely with like, you know, Uber or I think even you could do drone base or I don't know, I guess Fiverr would be a bit harder to do. But yeah, this, this bill is basically looking to say, all right, you know, some of these workers are working excess of 40 hours a week on Uber and Lyft. Uh, and so shouldn't they be compensated more fairly um, and also given some benefits like you know health insurance or uh, you know, like 401k or retirement stuff like that?
0: I think that you bring up a really good point where uh, the pro of being a freelancer is that you have an extremely flexible schedule. you can create your own hours, you can do a diverse range of tasks. Um, and a lot of people can enjoy that. Uh, The biggest disadvantage is no health care, no benefits, no 401k retirement plan. If something unexpected comes up, you basically have to dip into your savings to try and cover that. Um, Or
1: even like, for example, they don't cover insurance on your car. Right,
0: right. That's a a huge thing for specifically for Uber and Lyft. Um, Although, you know, I could see it going another way where you know, these people are kind of like Uber built a network. That's their business model. I think they position themselves as a technology company, right? Uh, and so, should they have to provide these kinds of benefits uh, to people who are essentially just choosing to use their platform and their services, these people wouldn't have
1: jobs without Uber, right? So, well, I think. The argument I think I, you're, I feel like you're reading straight from Uber and Lyft's uh, you know their 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 lawsuit against the bill, um, but because that's pretty much what the argument that they're using to fight against this bill being passed in California. But I would say the other side of the argument is that Uber and Lyft are taking away a lot of jobs too because now there's less taxi jobs, you know, there's less you know delivery jobs from restaurants, for example. So by the fact that they're undercutting the economy. Um, in all these different ways, they're actually removing full-time paying jobs from the market. And a lot of people are having to go to you know these part-time uh, independent contractor jobs. Sure. I can
0: understand that where, yeah, you're basically eliminating jobs and performing the same tasks at a cheaper price, which makes a ton of sense for business, but kind of sucks for the people working in those jobs where you're losing out on the benefits, uh, the reliable income, right? If you're a freelancer, sometimes you have months where you're making a lot sometimes you have a downwards trend uh so
1: so that can definitely be hard and i I think i think the other thing that is also particular to uber and lyft uh is that they're paying them not always the same rate like they should be paid usually if you're you know a full-time employee you're getting paid a standard rate either like a salary or um you know by the hour but it's a certain thing by the hour whereas uber and lyft you know you can some hours you know if you're if it's not many people out there you can be getting paid very little per hour uh versus you know Other times you're getting paid a lot, but it really, yeah, it's not not very steady. It's almost like a race to the bottom, honestly, with human labor, where it's whoever will perform
0: the task at the cheapest price will get the job. And some people, they just, they need
1: the money. So they'll be willing to go at lower and lower rates. That's, yeah, that's a very, uh, I think I brought that up on a previous episode about, uh, you know, drone base and drone deploy. I don't know. Or maybe that was just in conversation amongst ourselves, but it's kind of what we saw with you know, uh, goods and manufacturing, a race to the bottom there. This is this is then turning human, uh, you know, performance and humans themselves into a commodity and just going, let's just get the cheapest we can get possible um, and then have them, you know, do that and use them and plug them into the system.
0: Have, have you worked in the gig economy uh, either? Uh, it sounds like you haven't been a, a driver, but have you been a freelancer for other projects or done maybe video work? Uh, or other kinds of of work on a
1: freelance basis? Uh, I mean, I guess the best thing or closest thing would probably be like, yeah, the drone flying, you know, drone base or uh, drone, uh, droners IO, I think it's the other one. I even did one for drone genuity. And, you know, that's, I've also done, you know, freelance work through, you know, like real for real estate and stuff like that. But that's less, I think, of the gig economy and more just kind of like, you know, kind of semi small business type stuff. But yeah, the my experience uh, flying for you know drone base and several companies like that has it's been off and on. you know sometimes it's like, oh, this is great, you know you know uh, you're getting paid pretty well uh, and it's you know that you know it's just a little extra money to bring in uh, to you know to subsidize whatever your regular income is. However, it's pretty sad to see sometimes how much of a cut they're taking. Uh, for example, sometimes I'll see jobs come up on drone base uh, and they'll start maybe like an80 dollar payout you know for this job that's like maybe go take you know uh like 20 aerial photos and like uh 20 videos at all these specified heights and directions or whatever uh and then you know no one will no one will claim it or accept the job and then it'll go up to uh like all of a sudden it'll be like 150 and then very quickly it'll be $200 and you're like how do they have that much room to play with that this job that was $80 payout is now more than doubled the payout in like less than a week you know or so so that's a bit sad to see sometimes. Sure. Uh, you know, I bet the margins are pretty high. It's also challenging,
0: I think, as someone uh, paying, not necessarily for drone services, but for for a ride, like how much of the money goes to the driver? Should you tip them? Like, what's the policy there? And I know it can be different from app to app. Uh, and I also think the transportation costs are different, too. So, for example, have have you used Uber or Lyft? Like, I, I took a ride. I had to get home from work, didn't have a car, and it was $30, I think it was $32 for me to drive about 11 miles. Like, that was expensive. I couldn't afford to pay $60 a day to do that.
1: Yeah, that that is a bit expensive, but if you consider the costs that go into that, you know, that's not really that expensive. I mean, I, I was out in LA for a semester in college, and I used Lyft uh, and Uber pretty extensively I generally liked them both very much, and I always talked with the drivers, but I found that the drivers tended to like lift better, um, and the costs were pretty equal across both. The interesting thing, though, is that neither companies have been able to actually ever make a profit. Uh, so you have these companies that are valued at millions of million, millions, millions are they billions of dollars? Yeah. No, not billions, millions of dollars, and they're not making a profit at all. That is,
0: it's so weird to think about. But I think the the value of the company is on this business model where they can have a lot of recurring revenue and you know they're they're making a, a pretty huge change in the industry. Um, so it's it's interesting to see what they do and where they go. I know I was listening to a podcast, and they do change their rates a lot. and as a driver, you would want to focus on doing the rides that would maximize your income. I know uh, the person on the podcast was talking like, if they pay over a certain amount of miles to go pick someone up so it's a far away pickup and you get paid to do that it makes sense go ahead and do that but if they change their policy and suddenly it doesn't make sense to to pick those far people up then just do the closer rides so you kind of have to game the system almost um, but but yeah it's it's kind of interesting to see how they're changing they're changing their pricing strategies and structure trying to figure out a system that's sustainable for them and for their drivers but You know, I I definitely hope the drivers are getting paid a fair amount because they have a lot of costs that Uber and Lyft don't necessarily assume. Car insurance, gas, general upkeep of their vehicles.
1: I mean, on top of just like they want to earn money from this, you know, they're not trying to just do this for free and just break even, you know. Uh, Also, what's interesting is how exactly this is reshaping the economy. I know you said how, you know, jobs jobs uh full-paying jobs, full-time jobs are going to be outnumbered by 2027. I mean, even just looking now though, I thinking back to like my parents' generation, it was very much the mindset that, you know, you got one job, you pretty much worked that for your life, uh and that was it. You know, now it's I mean, it's not even that you're moving from one job to another fairly quickly. It's that you could be working several jobs at once. Uh and I mean, there's you'll find many people who are working a full-time job and then have, you know, a gig economy job on the side, uh, just to add a little income. And I think a lot of it has to do with possibly that, uh, you know, the minimum wage has lagged behind a little bit across the country, depending on where you are. And also that just these opportunities are popping up as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I guess I'll add to that. I think most people using or drivers for these services are doing it more on a part time basis. Um, And, you know, it, it wouldn't for those individuals, it wouldn't make sense to count them as full-time employees, right? If they're putting in fewer than 30 hours per week. Um, but for the other ones, maybe. The other big thing uh, is that I think if California decides to call these individuals full-time employees, suddenly they can tax them, right? And this is a huge tax revenue. True. So I almost wonder if if like the actual earnings of these drivers would go down, right? If they suddenly have to pay taxes on on
1: everything they're earning. I don't, I I have a feeling it wouldn't because I bet there's something, I haven't looked at the specific bill, but there's probably, California is usually pretty good with fully thinking out the ramifications of the bill. Uh, But I mean, that could be an issue that we see. The question I have is, uh, would you, would this affect other, you know, other industries, you know, that are gig economy related? Like, like we said, Airbnb, drone base, you know, does drone base all of a sudden have to start providing like insurance? And, uh, you know, insuring people's drones or stuff like that and, uh, you know, or whatever for the drone flyers. I think this case will definitely set a
0: precedent. So it'll be important to follow how it plays out and what kind of legislation ends up being passed at the end of it. Um, But, you know, it it does bring up a really interesting question. I think the moral of the story may not be to treat these freelancers as full-time employees. But possibly th- there's an opportunity to transform how we build healthcare plans, how we build retirement plans, and maybe there could be another company that could essentially pool all of these freelancers together and possibly provide some of the benefits they're missing out on. I don't, I don't necessarily know if. I mean, that's almost like unionizing, right? Isn't that that kind of a little bit? Maybe I feel like unions are to try and dem- make demands from companies, though. I feel like. True. This would almost yeah. be its own company to offer those services that aren't being provided. I don't know, because to me with all the other services, like you have uh, Fiverr or Instacart or um, like Handy, right? Where you have these other services that are basically acting like robust networks for connecting people together to, to get work done. It, it doesn't seem to make sense in my mind to count everyone as a full-time
1: employee. Well, it definitely depends how many hours they're putting in. I think that would be the biggest stipulation. You know, like you said, if you're putting less than 30 hours in, you're not a full-time employee. And the question is, what is to stop, you know, Lyft and Uber from putting a cap on how many hours these people can work? Right. Yeah, absolutely. The The
0: other thing, too, um, is everything's kind of developing so fast. How do you think self-driving and autonomous vehicles would play into this? Right?
1: Well, yeah, tr- you're right. Like, this could increase... I know Lyft and Uber are already working on, you know, their uh, self-driving and autonomous uh, vehicles, and you know, Tesla supposedly by tw- what is it, 2021, they're gonna have a full self-driving. F- yeah, fleet something something ridiculous that your Elon Tesla can tweeted. your Tesla can drive around while you have it parked, and it can make you money. Like, so I think that this could increase uh, the amount that you know Uber and Lyft start investing in those autonomous vehicle platforms, because right now it looks like the big pinch in their, you know, their biggest uh, cost is actually the drivers.
0: So if they can cut that cost, maybe they can turn a profit. I heard on another podcast, uh, this guy thinks that Uber should actually buy Tesla and use all of their autopilot data and their vehicles to just build a fleet of autonomous vehicles that can chauffeur people around.
1: That would be very interesting. I don't know uber has enough money to buy tesla yeah i think
0: aren't they both losing money like neither company is profitable or yeah or, they're both they're like losing like the money verge. but it's
1: they're valued at so much and they keep getting uh, outside investment you know people coming in because they're making people money right people are profiting off it but they're not actually as a company making money which is a very interesting concept i think with business that a company could be you know, their CEOs could be getting super rich, their investors could be making tons of money, but at the business itself is not a sustainable business model. Currently.
0: Absolutely wild. Absolutely yes. wild. Um, how do you how do you feel? I mean, the other concept I came across for this was universal basic income. Like, do you feel that there are other ways to to provide people with the benefits they need or to address some of the concerns of the gig economy without necessarily well, Yeah.
1: This is I mean, we're getting a little bit more into politics. But I would say that this is where someone like Andrew Yang um, or a more progressive platform comes in and says and acknowledges the fact that, you know, as like you said, by 2027, there's going to be more part time jobs or gig economy jobs than full time. And with that, people are going to lose a lot of the benefits that they get with that full time job, namely healthcare, but also a stable source of income. So something like a universal basic income or a freedom dividend, as Andrew Yang calls it, or a single payer, you know, government. Uh, provided health insurance or Medicare for all is a very, uh, you know, a t- timely option and very, you know, a, a thing that we might have to seriously consider, no matter your political affiliation and uh, opinions, because it just might be completely necessary in order to stop like total chaos and uh, anarchy from breaking out, because people just, you know, the the economy is no longer, uh, you know, like in check with what our politics is and what our government is doing. Uh, because of technology, how fast it's going. Right.
0: And, you know, something I've heard too is that introducing a freedom dividend or a similar concept can actually help the economy grow by about 12% within eight years, just because you're giving people, uh, especially in the lower income brackets, more money to spend and put back into the economy to help it grow. um, Yeah, the trickle
1: up economy, basically. Right. I know everyone always trickle down economy was extreme myth created by uh, rich individuals that has perpetrated for quite a while. It was honestly a very successful uh, ad campaign and, you know, uh, you know, propaganda thing on their part, but trickle up I think is definitely the way that we're going to have to go in the future uh, because there's a lot less jobs. And as things become more automated, we're going to have to find ways that the government can recirculate money to the bottom so that the economy can actually keep moving and people can buy things so that, you know, Companies can make things, right? If if the if no one at the bottom has money, you know, no one's gonna buy a new Apple smartphone. No one's gonna buy the new Sony A7S3. No one's gonna take rides in a new Tesla or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a lot uh, of transitions we're gonna have to go through. I mentioned autonomous vehicles. Getting people just into the first autonomous vehicle and making that a comfortable experience, I think is gonna be a pretty big hurdle. But I think it's one we can make, right? Because we did it with airplanes. Take an airplane that's ninety percent autonomous at this point, and everyone feels pretty comfortable getting on an airplane, going on pretty regular flights. Do we
1: just do we just have an inflatable driver in the front seat? Yeah, I mean, feel comfortable. There are that's people like, there, like Alexa enabled with an AI, so they can talk to him.
0: Right. Oh my goodness. That just like yeah. a little
1: speaker in there,
0: and so like airport air traffic control instead of actually managing the aircraft because they can all self manage themselves. Yeah, they're just like making regular interval pilot announcements.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's your captain speaking. We're gonna hit some turbulence. Yeah, and then and then like it gets like static, and You're like, wait, what? A second. Hold on. Is this? And then you're like, he's talking. I think he thinks he's talking to a different flight. He starts saying different flight numbers. You're like, oh boy, this is not good. Who is uh, flying this plane right now? Yeah, I think also we'll see technology start to disrupt um what is most likely the you know the fast food industry, uh, which will be like going in and ordering either via your phone, which is now already happening, or you know going into a You know Burger King and it's just a kiosk that you order at uh, you know touchscreen which they do have at Panera Breads Um, And then there's basically possibly no workers behind the counter. especially at a fast food restaurant, you know all just machines doing it Um, Yeah, that's possible. And then also I think retail is obviously hugely impacted by the likes of Amazon uh, Walmart online Etsy eBay and such I think uh, this reminded me of a, a pizza restaurant.
0: I think it's in California And they're using a robot to fully make the pizzas, like make the dough, put the sauce on, put the ingredients on. And one one of the compelling arguments behind doing this is it reduced the cost of producing the pizza so that they can invest that additional money into actually providing higher paid jobs for their employees, providing additional benefits and stuff. So even though the robot may be reducing the number of total jobs, it can make the jobs that remain more fulfilling, more rewarding um, and higher paying for the people who, who do work those jobs.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. What do you think, going back to the gig economy, what do you think is the next area we might see the gig economy come to? Or is, I mean, I can't really think of anything else that we could possibly see, you know, like what is some, some skill that people have that hasn't been yet connected uh, to other people in the gig economy?
0: You ask a really good question, Gabe. I did not come to this podcast prepared to launch my next
1: business idea. Um, I didn't really either, but I'm I'm just trying to like it's it's an interesting thought to think. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, is there a way that like recycling can be turned into a gig economy, for example, where maybe you have someone instead of a
0: garbage man, you just have one person grabbing your neighbor's trash in the back of their car driving to a recycling plant well well,
1: more like more like uh you know because i think as resources become more you know limited for example you know like with smartphones or electronics there's a lot of rare earth metals used in that uh and you know we've seen apple introduce a lot of recycling programs but a lot of times recycling is pretty confusing i mean even just when you're at like a store or a restaurant or like a you know some some place a cafe and you go to throw your trash and recycling out it's like which hole does which go in? Like, is this oh, is this fork recyclable, or is that go in the trash, or is it wait, is it maybe compostable because it's made from plant material? Like, it's so confusing. So maybe introducing a way that you know there's recycling centers and you know these uh, gig gig workers could you know go and pick up you know boxes of recycle. Like, say you had a bunch of electronics and you can schedule. All right, have this person come pick it up, pay to get it taken away. Um, and then maybe you get some extra money back. I don't know. It could be something like that, because I think that's going to be something that we see a big need as, uh, you know, China has shut down a lot of their recycling, and uh, now a lot of the recycling stuff is being thrown away in the U.S. It's true. We're having a, a minor recycling
0: uh, epidemic. It's, it's, crisis. Crisis. it's yeah. a huge issue. It's a huge issue. I think I would see the most opportunity, honestly, in, in creative spaces because a lot of like low uh, low skill labor jobs those can be automated those can be taken over by machines those can be um, achieved at greater efficiencies and productivity levels often yeah with machines robots um, and, and other resources so creativity remains one of the the biggest skills I think humans can have and finding a way to connect people with, Uh, creative passions and creative skills um, with people in need i think that's going to be a a really great uh, thriving environment and i know we already have uh, systems like this with fiverr where you can get creative services but i I think that's really where people will be able to uh, to show their value and, and to do
1: work that they're passionate about what about gig economy friends like being friends with someone for money now, now hear me out here because okay, we've this had is all weird. These, I know right We've had all these studies come out uh, where people who you know use more social media they recently, this study came out that people who use more social media are more like likely to be depressed or have anxiety and stuff like that and you know because they there's less connections they have in the real world. So what if you saw you know hey, I gotta pay to have this friend and go talk to this you know go hang out with a friend and so you have people who are just professional friends or who are just fun to be around people. Um, you know, hiring themselves out because people are just surrounded by so much technology, robots, AI assistance that they're losing that human connection, and human connection actually becomes a commodity. Then
0: that is so weird. That is
1: so weird. That's like a futuristic movie. By the way, your parents are paying me to right now be facetiming and podcasting with you. So, oh my god, is that
0: what that I transaction have, is?
1: I shouldn't have told you that. Actually, I think I just violated the terms and conditions. Uh, that
0: yeah, those are really creative. I don't know what, they're I'm kidding, ideas. just so
1: you know, so in case you couldn't tell, you were, a bit, you were a bit like taken off guard with that. Oh yeah, I, Gabe, you've got some really bizarre ideas rattling around in your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, it's it's a bit too forward-thinking, I think, for where we are, but yeah, I think the creative space, you were probably, that's something more likely we'll be seeing uh, in the future. It's, it's just, you know, where is the limit of the future? Because new technology not only creates possibilities but also uh you know introduces new problems
0: it does and oftentimes new new legislation needs to be passed or needs new regulations um it's we're kind of slow to adapt in some
1: regards but we're fast to adapt in others yeah that is a good way to wrap it up i think uh we're about at an hour about 50 minutes i think or so i can't tell because we spent too much time talking before we actually started the podcast uh, but thank you guys for listening to this episode, uh, you know, chime in on Twitter, or, you know, leave us your thoughts on whatever, wherever your social network, you want to interact with us, because we definitely like to hear what you have to think on the gig economy. You know, are you working currently in the gig economy? Do you know someone who does like, what are your thoughts there? This is really a thing that has to do with, you know, the breaking point of technology and like, the you know, that cutting edge and how that's being used to influence people Money and then also just like the advancement of technology.
0: Yeah, and feel free to share your thoughts on the A B five bill that was just passed in California. Of course, as Gabe mentioned, you can find us on social media at Pinch to Zoom
1: Podcast and at Pinch to Zoom Pod. Um and and yeah. Uh look for a new episode coming out. We're probably gonna do one every week, I think, in September and maybe October, because this is the Tectember Techtober fun time of the year with a lot of product launches, lots of Uh, technology news coming out and yeah check out unboxings of the iPhone most likely on Stetson's channel and on my tech channel as well Uh, some fun stuff to see there and of course share this with a friend you know if you have someone who is in the gig economy maybe they want to hear more about uh, the economy they work actually they probably don't they're probably tired of hearing about it so send it to someone who isn't in the gig economy so they can be a bit more educated about what's going on in the world uh, that's not immediately around them leave us a review if you like this podcast as well we would certainly don't don't leave us a review if you didn't like it though Please only
0: if you liked it only if you liked it um yes. also gabe his services are for hire if you're looking for a friend hit up gabe we'll
1: yep. he'll, he'll create what, what is that going to be are we bringing back friendster is that the new or oh my god it's coming friend back. friend dot me maybe that's the gabe dot no no oh yeah just it's just me just ai versions of me <laughs> you yeah. spread alright thank you so much for listening uh, I'm Stetson and I'm Gabe and
0: we'll Hire me we'll talk to you in the next podcast episode it's my
1: birthday today Gabe, happy birthday 25- should we sing happy birthday on the podcast no what I was going to say is 25 years ago 4 megabytes of RAM was considered the norm unbelievable so yeah just think about that for a second I think pretty much a nightlight now has 4 megabytes of RAM in it